It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources on KSL News Radio. Welcome back to Inside Sources. This is Amy Donaldson alongside Steve Handy. Um, we have uh, we're talking about some interesting topics, and uh, this is one that uh, I always find interesting. It's actually DUI enforcement yeah. over Labor Day weekend, and yeah. I just wonder, like, why would Labor Day be different? So we're gonna bring on somebody that you know. Yeah, that that's very interesting to me, to me too. Uh, so I get a uh, I get a, an, a, an email from the Department of Public Safety, and they say, any legislators who would like to ride along this weekend, and, uh, you know, please let us know. And I've done it once before, but uh, so it's just curious to me. So we have on the line here Colonel Mike Rapich. He's the Deputy uh, Commissioner and uh, and uh, the Director of the Utah Highway Patrol, and uh, he's become a friend of mine. I see him at the Capitol uh, during the legislative session, and we've worked on some things together. But as I talked to you this morning, Colonel, um, what what is it? I mean, I get that on uh, St. Patrick's Day and New Year's that there's a, there's additional drinking and partying. But what is there about Labor Day and Memorial Day and July 4th and 24th? What 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 goes on out well, there? Labor on Day is the one that baffles me because I don't it's not get usually it. A, yeah. I don't get it. So what's going on out there, Colonel? So first off, uh, thanks for letting us have us on the show today. It's great to be able to come on the show and talk about this as we go into the travel season. This Labor Day kind of wraps up yeah. the end of the 100 days of travel season. Everybody's going back to school, getting their last weekend in. And we've got a lot going on this weekend. And then we had a fire up here in Davis County that we helped out with a little bit uh, to start it off with. Yeah, thank you. But uh, so from a, the DUI perspective on Labor Day, um, first off, we, we put a lot of emphasis on all of our holiday travel weekends. And DUI is just one of the things we focus on. We focus on everything that really has a, a strong contributor to fatal crashes, speed, mm-hmm. seat belts, distracted driving, um, drowsy driving, and DUI um, impaired driving as well. But, uh, you know, I think that we put, we've always put an emphasis on those in the holiday weekends. Unfortunately, um, we see an increase in our effectiveness of being able to, to identify impaired drivers and get those off the roads on the, on the holiday weekends. Mm-hmm. And we also regularly see an increase in the number of fatal crashes on the holiday weekends. I think there's a lot of things that go into the, the factors on that. I think that, uh, you know, on, on the weekends, especially holiday weekend, people are out. They've got a lot of different activities they're involved with. Um, the end of the, the Labor Day weekend kind of the end of summer. We've got a good, warm, sunny weekend this weekend. People will be out enjoying things that have to do with that. And some of those involve, involve consuming alcohol, which is great. Um, but when that consuming alcohol then also is contributed into driving, especially driving in congested highways and maybe driving after you've had a really long weekend or a really long day okay. with a lot of activities and then have some alcohol impairment to, to put on top of that, you know, then you've got drowsiness and fatigue and a lot of other drivers, and it just compounds an overall really serious problem in the first place. And so we put a lot of media attention out there on the front end, asking people mm-hmm. if they're going to drink, choose not to drive. It's as simple as that. Keep, keep the alcohol away from your, your, your driving responsibilities as well. But then even more than that, we put a lot out there that we're going to have troopers out there. We're going to have we're going to be working with city officers, we're going to be working with deputies, and they're going to be out there in the evenings and the later hours, and they're going to be specifically looking for impairment. 
impaired drivers, looking for that proactive opportunity to remove that impaired driver before something horrible happens. Because so, as law enforcement officers investigating fatal crashes, we see those horrible consequences with, with, with unfortunately way too much regularity. Yeah, I'm. Um, I'm wondering. Like, is there a specific number um, that you're increasing? Like, how many officers are going to be involved with this or how many agencies? And then also, um, I don't know how many, much information you want to give us in advance of the uh, crackdown. But also, um, how do you, I know sort of what's involved in the DUI enforcement side of it. What, what do you, how do you enforce drowsy driving or, um, you know, eating a cheeseburger while you're driving? Um, texting. Yeah, the texting. Yeah, texting is a big one. But but yeah, some of those things that I think are just as dangerous as uh, DUI, as driving under the influence of alcohol, because they they cause accidents. You're absolutely right. Um, the distracted driving, um, drowsy driving. You're, you you brought up a good point. Drowsy driving very much mimics impaired driving. Mm-hmm. In fact, most of the time when we come in contact with a drowsy driver, we're stopping a vehicle um, that, that ultimately involves a drowsy driver. You, you think that you're you're stopping an impaired driver. They're doing exactly the mm. same thing. So the driving they're pattern is similar. Driving. Yep, they're they're missing cues. They're they're not reacting to things appropriately. And so the driving patterns are very much the same. Um, distracted can be very very similar. It's impairing your ability to to focus on what you should be primarily focused on, and that's the safe operation of a vehicle. And anything that distracts away from that um, sets up an opportunity for really horrible consequences, especially in the environment where we work as state troopers up on the freeways. You've got vehicles doing 70, 75, 80 miles an hour, really high speeds. There's not a lot of room for error in those. You know, small errors have really significant consequences. Significant consequences, don't they? Speed. Yeah. Colonel Rapich, what, 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 are, what are some of our statistics in, in now in, in Utah with DUI, and what has the effect been of the 0.5% uh, blood alcohol level that we enacted a couple years ago? So the 0.5, we, as you said, that went into effect the first of the year. Yeah. Um, I, I think that that was a, a great change for the state of Utah, um, not from the perspective of an enforcement standard, but just from the, from the perspective of that upfront message and concept of if you're going to drink, don't drive. And really, I think that's what the 0.05 message really is. I think it is, don't too. Don't mess around with this. That is, that is the message, drink, yeah. It, it, you know, impairment starts with the first drink. Um, that, that's pretty well established. At 0.05, you're very much seeing the effects of impairment, especially if you're if you're not a really experienced driver and you only drink on holiday weekends, but any time. So I think we've seen some effectiveness on that. Um, our early preliminary crash numbers for the first two quarters um, are positive as far as the number of, of, of impaired-related um, uh, impaired driving fatalities we've had compared to last year. We're seeing th- those numbers. We're a little bit careful to really talk about them too much because they understand. Because we're, we, we're, we're got a little bit of a delay in getting the data, and they can change throughout the year too. But the initial numbers look encouraging. Um, as far as DUI enforcement, there's probably been a little bit of change in the last year, but I think you've probably seen a little bit of that because, especially from the highway patrols, more resources being able to put out it because of the things aren't as, haven't been pulling away from us as much as we have before. But I think that the enforcement pretty much stayed the same. On, on the, yeah. front, the the big impact of the of the .05 law is that if you're going to drink, don't drive, and that proactive, you know, that proactive message to encourage people make a good decision on the front end. Don't mess around with this. Don't gamble on whether I'm going to be okay or wait till I'm 0.08 or 0.10 and then try to make the decision whether I'm going to drive or not. No right up front that if you're going to involve drinking, it's not going to involve driving. And there's a lot of other options to do that with. Hey, Colonel, I, I wonder, you know, when I learned to drive, I drove. I learned a stick shift. There was nothing I could do but drive. Um, there's so many distractions now. Um, 
as officers, I mean, what do you guys see? Do you do you see this? I mean, it, it's become kind of a, I guess, socially unacceptable to to drive under the influence of alcohol. So if you do get caught, there's a, a big, pretty big shame factor involved in it. But but on the flip side, I don't think people think that much of like putting. I see people putting makeup on, uh, eating, you know, soup uh, while they're trying to drive, texting, as Steve mentioned. Um, how do you kind of bring that same stigma to those activities um, when we don't really think of that as selfish? We don't we don't think we're endangering anyone's life. I think you're right. I think uh, you know, especially in our culture and where we are today, we spend a large part of our lives in the car. It's an environment we're very, very comfortable in. We feel fairly safe because of, of, of everything that's evolved. And so we kind of take that for granted and we get engaged in, you know, texting and driving is obviously the big one that you don't do that and you should never do that. Yeah. But really anything that's de- uh, distracting from that primary responsibility of keeping track of, of what's going on while I'm driving a vehicle, especially when I'm driving 80 miles an hour, 70 miles an hour, or I'm driving yeah. through controlled intersections. I mean, it seems so logical when you're saying it like that, but we all know, I mean, maybe even... Can you share some of what your officers have seen? Because it's pretty devastating. It is against the law. and uh, No, but I mean, like, yeah, what, what the effects see. of it. It's yeah. very, it's, it stays with these officers. It's the same effect that you see with anything else. And, and really, from, from a statistical perspective, um, I think generally we, we all pretty well understand that distracted driving is very well underrepresented in our mm-hmm. crash statistics, simply because you can't always identify what the distraction is. You can identify the results. Someone slams into the vehicle that slowed down in front of them, mm-hmm. or they blow through a controlled intersection against a red light because they didn't see it, or they drift off the side of the road and get over into the gravel and roll their vehicle over. Um, those are things that are all probably a result of some level of distraction that allowed them to, to, to end up in, in a situation they didn't expect to be in. And yeah, you're right. Go through a, a red light because you didn't see it because you were focused on something else. And the consequences can be horrible, and we see that all the time. Um, get over onto the shoulder and get into the gravel to where you start losing control of your vehicle, especially at 80, 80 miles an hour. Mm-hmm. Your likelihood of getting back onto the road safely goes down dramatically, and those happen because small distractions, like we said before, a small momentary mistake or a small distraction can have really significant consequences, especially in the environment within those vehicles. And then you put into a, a, a factor with what we're doing with the Labor Day weekend, a lot mm-hmm. of traffic, a lot of long driving, um, a lot of fatigue and, and worn out, and, and put it into all of the other activities and a lot of people in the car. And so you, you talked about, do we, do our, mm-hmm. we put out there what we're doing. We're putting 290 extra enforcement shifts on the road just with troopers this weekend. Incredible. So those are troopers that are going to go out and work a regular shift. Extra and shifts. Sit around yeah. and go out and work an overtime shift to be out there and increase our force and our, and our ability to be out there. We're going to be doing a DUI blitz here in Salt Lake County tonight. Um, we'll have every trooper that we can have available participating in that, and they're going to go out during those high-probability times and, and just saturate the area and try to make contact with the impaired driver and get them off the road before something happens. Well, thank you for everything, Colonel. Uh, be careful out there, folks. They're giving us the, the, the cutoff thing. But what are our fatalities year-over-year, uh, year? highway fatalities in Utah year-over-year year comparison quickly? So I, I believe the last report I got at the first of last week, we were at about 140 fatalities people that have died in traffic crashes statewide oh my. Um, so far this year. Oh my. Okay. Is, and just, uh, I saw on one of the boards that five people died this weekend last year. So, oh um, but anyway, any one is too many. And thank you so much for thank what you, you guys Colonel, do. For everything you're Thanks doing. for coming on and Stay helping out. out uh, you are listening to Inside Sources on KSL News Radio. 
two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.